the world cannot take away from you as a believer. Three things the world can't take away. A minister, let's call him John, buys a lawnmower at a yard sale. And the owner of the lawnmower, we're going to call him Bob. Not that Bob, different Bob. (laughs) John takes his new mower home and he pulls on that starter rope. And nothing happened. He says, okay. So he pulls on it again, and nothing happens. And he keeps pulling on it, and nothing happens. Well, John is ticked off that he got taken. So he storms back to the yard sale and tells the the owner, the previous owner, Bob, I can't get the mower to start. And Bob sees how upset John is, so he replies, that's because you got to cuss it to get it started. Now, John, being the self-righteous man he is, and, and in a foul mood, he answers, I'm a man of the cloth. I don't even remember how to curse. And without missing a beat, Bob answers, you keep pulling that rope and it'll come back to you real quick. (laughs) The world can take your money, your dignity, and a whole host of other things. Today we're going to be looking at three things that the world absolutely cannot take away from you. We're back in 1 Corinthians. And Paul preached the gospel in the city of Corinth in the early 50s AD during his second missionary journey. Opposition grew fierce there, and the Lord spoke to him in a, in a vision, assuring him that he had many people in the city. And with that encouragement, Paul stayed for 18 months teaching them the word of God. So God used Paul in that ministry to bring about the birth and establishment of the church in the city of Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. I'll be starting out of the New King James Version of the Bible this morning. It'll be on the screen as well. But someone will will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, and another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, and it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is of the the Lord from heaven, or is the Lord from heaven, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have been, or as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to your text. Your word is truth, and it is life, and your word is inerrant. And so, Lord, as we study and 
go through this, we ask that you would speak to our hearts and minds, that you would refresh within us a, a new spirit, that you would heal us in our psyche and in our, and in our lives, Lord. Give us direction, and we surrender to you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's life principle, the world can't take away your value, your destiny, and your ability to bear the image of Christ. It cannot take those away. It cannot take away your value, your destiny, and your ability to bear the image of Christ. And you know, we'll be more. We will be more than we are right now. We will be more than we are right now. That's the first point. 1 Corinthians 15, 35, and we're going to stop at 38. But it says, some, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they come? You fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he designed, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. How were the dead raised, and what kind of body will they have? Now remember this section isn't talking to believer, unbelievers, but to believers. And we know that unbelievers will be raised as well. But their raising will be for all eternity as well. And their raising will not be a good one. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as man is appointed to die once and after that to face judgment. Daniel 1.12.2 says, And many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, but others to shame and an everlasting contempt. Jude uh, verse 7 says, In like manner Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, who indulged in sexual immorality and pursued strange flesh, are on display as an example of those who sustain the punishment of eternal fire. Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 says this for, for the unsaved. Then I saw a great white throne and the one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And there were open books, and one of them was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their deeds, as recorded in the books. They, the sea gave up its dead, and the death and Hades gave up their dead. And each one was judged according to his deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Then if anyone was found whose name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. But this section, folks, is not for that. This section in our main text is written for the believer. And for the believer, we have certain things that we know. And the first thing is, is that we will be raised to eternal life, according to what Paul has said. We've spent three weeks talking about the new body, talking about being raised. In John 5, 24, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. You see, I was dead, but now I am alive in Christ. I was blind, but now I see you know what the problem is with the believer who is, who, who's still human? Are, are you still human? Yeah, you're still human. If you think you're not, I, we can make a time where we can discuss that in my office later. Um, just see me if you don't believe you're human. But you see, I'm still human. And, and as a human, uh, 
we want to know everything that God is doing and how it will be done and, and what does it look like and give me the answers and, and, and the human wants God to explain everything in his little bitty, bitty, bitty brain. Well, guess what? It ain't going to happen. You know why? Because, my friend, you are finite and he is infinite. You dwell in time. He dwells in infinity and eternity. And as we discussed last week, it's not for us to know everything. However, by experience, I can know God and trust God because he's been good to me, because he is not slow as we would consider slowness, because he is God and I am not. I can trust him from my experience with him. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 36 says this, You fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has designed, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. You know, as we found out earlier, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment, is it not? This body right here that we have, it's going to be done away with. This body of man, of mine, let's say, for example, the short, stocky, fat guy, is just but a seed that will become something more, thank God. The body that will be to come will be so much greater than the body that we have now. This body is but a starting point. It is a type, it is a shadow of things to come. Amen. Our value, number two, our value comes from God, and the world can't take that away, our value. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 39 says this, Not all flesh is the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is of one degree, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is of another. The sun has one degree of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So will it be, hear me now, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man Adam became a living thing, and the last man Adam a life-giving spirit. Did you know that our scientific method that we talk about all the time and how we classify things is not scripturally correct? Did you know that? You see, God doesn't classify us with the animals like we classify ourselves. Now, we share characteristics with them, no doubt. But he classifies us as our own classification. We are human. We are different. We differ in a lot of ways. We have both body and spirit, which is not something that the animals can claim. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that all dogs go to heaven. I'm sorry. Great movie, bad premise. Or that cats go to hell. Nowhere does it say that animals have something that transcends the, this life like a human being does. We do. We have something that transcends this life. It's called the spirit. Did you know that the heavenly bodies are different than this earthly one? And not all stars are the same? Did you know that? There's white giants, red giants, 
quasars, all sorts of stuff. You see, people believe the Bible is not a textbook on science, and guess what? They're right, it's not a textbook. But the Bible does have science in it, and, and where it speaks to science, it is always right. Always. We find that the longer that we study the world around us, the more that man's modern-day science lines up with the Word of God. Thirty years ago, we thought things that we no longer think, and the things that we now think, a lot of them line up with God's Word. Did you know that? They used to say there was no Ramesses the second. Guess what? We, they found one pillar with his name on it. <laughs> Ancient pillar. What happened? He was such a disgrace that they removed him from the records, and everything was removed from them. Did you know that? Now we know. But back in the 70s and 80s, there was this big movement. Ramesses didn't exist, so the Bible's a fraud. Well, guess what? Ramesses did exist, and the Bible's not a fraud. The Bible does have science in it, and where it speaks to science, it is always 100% right. It would be a whole lot easier for these scientists if they just start with the Word of God and then move along, don't you think? Yeah. Now, I know that what I just said was kind of controversial in some circles. Well, you know what? <clears throat> this is America, and you have the right to be wrong. And so do I, but I'm not in this instance. Uh, Paul uses the material world around us to make a spiritual point here. First uh, Corinthians, if we look at the Scripture again at verse 42... So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Did you know that in, during World War II, there was this great move called eugenics from Nazi Germany? And people and babies were murdered just because they had what we would consider a birth defect of some kind. And they thought that human beings have no real intrinsic value outside of serving the state and thereby all of their mankind and fellow people. Folks, that is the natural end of the term evolution, macroevolution, meaning that one race or one kind is better than the other. That's where evolution gets you. God does not. He says that all come from Adam and Eve. If you could not serve then the state then, you became a drain on society, and you don't deserve to live. Folks, abortions happen today because they say the baby is just a clump of cells and it has no intrinsic value. It's just a drain on the body and its resources. Do you see the parallel there? You know what? They were wrong then and they're wrong now. The Bible clearly states here, as in many places, that if there is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. This means that you are not you in body only, but in spirit as well. There is a part of you that dwells in the spiritual. What makes you you is both natural and spiritual. We are intrinsically linked that way. And guess what? Every human being has value. For Jesus to save you is both spiritual and physical. You cannot separate that. You are saved to the uttermost, body, soul, and spirit. Let me give you an example. Some of our best thinkers, by the way, were not considered very healthy. Now, one example 
and I hate to use him as an example because he was a staunch atheist, was Stephen Hawking's. Now, his thoughts on other subjects than atheism actually advanced our human knowledge, especially in advanced mathematics and our understanding of the universe in massive ways. And some of the best preachers, teachers, and commentators all had some physical ailment. Did you know that? Did you know there's, I think it was Billy Sunday, I don't remember, but he started the, the Methodist, a bunch of Methodist churches in the South. And he would ride from place to place. And there was only a couple of recordings. And uh, one of my professors, I think it was, no, it was a college president, he took that tape that he got at a conference and he stuck it in his radio. And that tape, it sounded like he was stuttering. And he said, surely there's something wrong with this tape because the great preacher would not stutter. The man who started hundreds of churches would not be a stutterer. So he turned around his car and went back. And the guy, he said, there's something wrong with this tape. And the guy said, what, does it sound like he's got a speech impediment? He said, yeah. He said, that's exactly how he spoke. What's the difference? Folks, he was used by Jesus. He was used by God to spread the gospel. And in the process, he started hundreds of churches. God can use anyone. If he can use a donkey, he can use you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read, read about Balaam in the Old Testament. Guess who else had a problem? Paul did. He had a thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, he said, or because of these surpassingly great revelations, so to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is why, for the sake of Christ, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Notice that he starts his list uh, uh, with weaknesses, then in insults, then in hardships. Weaknesses, by the way, there, the Greek word, is better translated as infirmities. Infirmities. And I think the thorn, and I can't be completely dogmatic about it, but I have some evidence here. I think the thorn was his eyesight. As he got older, in his later years, it started to fail him. And guess what? They didn't have glasses. And as his eyesight failed, maybe that was the thorn in the flesh. Because he writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, the last part of the book of Galatians, he writes and starts out with this. See what large letters I have written to you with my own hand? You know, it's believed that when he wrote Galatians that he actually dictated it except for the last part. Why? Why wouldn't he dictate that too? Well, so that there would be no question that the letter came from him. And number three, the world cannot take away you being an image bearer of Christ. We will be transformed to be in the image of Jesus Christ fully, now in part, but fully later. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46 says, The spiritual, however, was not first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so also are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so also shall we bear the likeness of the heavenly man. Now Paul's going to draw some conclusions as we come to a close as a close based on history and the first Adam and the second Adam and what that means. And, you know, the first Adam was Adam and the second Adam was Jesus, right? Okay, as long as we got that, you're, you're right with me. In our time frame, the first Adam brought forth death due to what? Due to sin. He unleashed all sorts of sickness, disease, evils on the earth because of just one disobedience. But sin does not stay alone, folks. It multiplies. It causes chaos wherever it goes. Whether it's your sin or somebody else's sin or somebody sins seven, seven people removed from you, it can cause chaos. And it does wherever it goes. It causes chaos in our morality, in our ethics, in our physical beings. We're still suffering those consequences due to genetic drift. Paul is not separating the humanity of Jesus here, but he is drawing a comparison. Jesus was and is still 100% God and 100% man. Now, there's a big churchy word for that. We call the hypostatic union, but that's what it means. What does Paul say about Adam here? Well, number one, he's of the dust. Number two, he is earthly. And because of that, guess what? So are you, so am I. Number three, we have borne the likeness of Adam. If you're born without any deformities, you have a head, a torso, arms, hands, legs, feet. That's his image and his likeness. But what does Paul say about Jesus here? Number one, he is spiritual. Number two, he's of heaven. And because of that, so are the born-again believers. Amen. And number three, we will bear the likeness of heavenly man. That is Jesus. Notice the order that he puts this in, though. First came the natural, and then the supernatural, the spiritual. Just as we are currently dealing with sin, and what is the end result of sin? Well, we know it is death, period. So is the born-again Christian dealing with the regenerating power of God, and its end result will be complete, eternal life. This includes the resurrection of the Christian to a new body. That's a part of it. We have not attained and received the entirety of the promise of God. Yet, in a sense, we have. It seems almost paradoxical, but yet not. Let's look at some scripture. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says that he has placed his seal on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a pledge of what is to come. Of what is to come. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says, And in him, having heard and believed the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the pledge of our inheritance until the redemption of those who were God's possessions to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is the seal that cannot be broken. On our regeneration and rebirth in Christ, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit for the promise that is to come. And when we shall be fully redeemed and in a new body. This is why that I can say I have been saved, I will be saved, and I am currently being saved. 
I have been saved. Christ has come into my life and being and has regenerated and made me a new person. I have been saved. That event has happened. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I will be saved. God is sanctifying me. Or I am being saved. God is sanctifying me more and more as I walk out my salvation in his hands. I am being saved. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. That means we got a big churchy word for that too called sanctification, meaning God's cleaning us up as we go. I am being saved. And I will be saved, a future promise. On the day of his appearing, I will be given a new body and my transformation to be like Christ will be completed to the whole, to the uttermost. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, Brothers, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you will not grieve like the rest who are without hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we also believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, I'm going to pick it up there if we jump one verse. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Folks, the world can't take away your value, your destiny and your ability to bear the image of Christ. They just can't do it. Because the world didn't give it, they can't take it away. They didn't give you your value. That comes from God. And anybody who tells you that the state gives you value, you correct them. They don't give you your destiny because God is ultimately in control. They may take your life, but they can't take your destiny. Your destiny as a Christian is to be with him for all eternity. And they can't take away your ability to bear the image of Christ, both here on earth and after we are resurrected. We will bear the image of Christ. Now partially. Now like a mirror dimly, it says. But then we will be able to be seen holy, just as he is seen holy. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. And he's made a way for that to happen. Folks, as the singers come,